Let's go through every single package installed on a Linux install DVD, specifically Slackware 14.2. Um, of course, these are all open source packages that I'm talking about on this show, so they probably can still apply to you, even if you're not running Slackware and even if you're not running Linux. These are open source packages, so you can download the source code and run them on any computer, whether you're running Linux, Mac, Windows, BSD, doesn't matter. You can learn probably something from this episode. So let's get started. We're going to track back a little bit. We covered Perl in the previous episode, so in this episode we have to swing back around and cover some that I skipped over. So we we had originally sort of left off at P2C, which is Pascal 2C uh, trans... Piler? Is that a transpiler? Probably not. I mean, it just sounds like a fancy word. I, I don't know. It, it, it translates Pascal into C. Anyway, that's ancient history. We did Perl, so now we have to do Parallel and Patch Elf. Those are the two between P2C and Perl in the Slackware 14.2 listing. I guess let's just get started with Parallel. And I do feel like I've covered Parallel before. Well, I don't feel like it. I know it. I know I've covered Parallel in the past. I don't know how completely I covered Parallel in the past, and that's kind of why I want to to boldly cover it yet again. So you can hear more about Parallel from me if you go and hunt down episode 1215. That's 12x15, so that was like... Season 12, episode 15, back when I was sort of doing concepts of seasons. 12.15, as well as, I think, a little bit in 12, or quite a lot, maybe, in 12.6. So 6 and 15, 12 season. Uh, those are both on, well, they'll be in your feed, your your RSS feed, uh, or, or Adam feed, preferably. Uh, or they'll be in the front page, the, the, the website. If you go to gnuworldorder.info, they're there. Now, in those episodes, I cover Parallel very much just sort of how I usually use it, which it honestly is just the barest fraction of its capabilities. By the end of this segment, you will your mind will be blown by the the sheer power of of Parallel. And admittedly, I think at its at its at its most powerful, it is maybe arguably going to be sort of a, a a niche use case like. There, there's a certain point where you you realize there is such great power to this thing that probably the your opportunity to use its full potential just isn't going to come up every day. But that's fine because it's really really cool when you realize what is possible. And there are actual use cases that I have to demonstrate that sometimes that power is exactly what you need. Okay, so most basic to the most complex. Here's a basic scenario. This is easy and and probably something that's that's not uncommon, I would I'm going to imagine. Let's say that you have several files in a directory. We'll call one um holiday.png, we'll call one um work.png, we'll call one personal.png and that's probably good enough. So we've got three three files, they're pictures, they're photographs. One is a, your your ho- the holiday that you took. One is uh, about your, something about your personal life and one is your work life. And, for, and you need to convert all of those from PNGs to JPEG. That's all you want to do. So you could you could do that um, easily by by manually converting them. You could just type in convert holiday.png. 
holiday.jpg. And using image magic, that would convert holiday PNG to holiday PNG uh, to, to holiday.jpg, lickety split, and then you could move on to the next one, convert personal.png to personal.jpg, and that would happen, and then you would do the same thing for work.png, work.jpg. Perfectly, perfectly acceptable, but of course that doesn't scale. If you've got 300, 3,000, 300 a day, you know, whatever, some enormous number of files that you need to process, and maybe it's more complex than just typing in convert and then the name and then the name. At some point, it, it stops sort of being realistic for you to do that manually. Now, it's it's relatively rudimentary shell um, trickery to be able to come up with an idea or a, a method of how to get your computer to do that repetition for you. Now, I'm saying it's rudimentary shell trickery, meaning that it took me a good, let's just say, two years or something, probably... No, maybe. Maybe it was two years. I don't know. It took a while for me to get good enough at a Linux shell to be able to batch process files. I knew it was possible. It was something that I'd heard a lot about. I, I just, you know, cracking that shell of, of, of how to, of, of exactly how it was done, it took a while, and it does take a while, and I don't want to under underestimate the amount of work and the amount of comprehension that it takes a new user to understand how to take a large number of files and effectively and reliably convert them or process them in some way um, such that it that, that it doesn't take any interaction from them. It is not easy, and I don't want to undersell that skill. I really don't because I just want to emphasize, I guess, that for, for com many computer users out there, this concept is alone really, really advanced, and we're not even talking about parallel processing it. We're still doing things sequentially. So when you're doing it manually, you're doing it not only sequentially, but manually. You're doing convert holiday.png, convert personal work. Now that's arbitrary. I just, that's, that's happening in alphabetical order because that's what, the, when you do an LS command, that's how they show up. So it's completely arbitrary. It doesn't actually matter. And that's a significant thing here that these are not dependent upon one another. The fact that holiday png has not been converted to jpeg yet or has been converted to jpeg yet has no bearing on whether personal.png's conversion will succeed or fail they're completely independent of each other so one way to do this would be to do um a for loop in bash and you can do for uh, and then you just pick a word it can be anything I'll, I'll say item for item in and then the one common theme of all these files is that they're all a PNG. There are other common things. They all start with a letter. They all have exactly one dot in their name. They all end in a G. So, I mean, those are things we could we could we could identify them by. But the really really easy one is that they all end in PNG. So, I'm going to use the wildcard character, which is an asterisk, to say anything and then PNG. So to bash that says for item in anything ending in PNG and then I do a semicolon which is just a way to tell bash that that statement has now closed. That's that's the first statement that I need it to process. I need it to find items that end in PNG and then as the next action once it's kind of got that sorted I'll have it do convert actually I think I have to actually say do 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 space convert dollar sign item and then I'm going to do dollar sign item dot jpeg 
And for safety, I could put the dollar sign items in quotes. It's always a good idea. So do convert quote dollar sign item close quote space quote dollar sign item close quote dot jpeg semicolon done d o n e so the second phrase is just telling it hey once you have a list of items f for each item do this command convert the item whatever its name is you you fill that in there uh and i'm i'm saying that the computer will fill it in there uh con convert it from this name to this name and it's a function of the convert command of image magic it's a function of that that when you give it a new extension like a .jpg, it understands that 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 also that it's being con instructed to convert to that format. Not all commands work that way. Convert happens to semicolon done, meaning once you've done all the items that you obtained in the first statement and you've run the command that I told you to run in the second statement, you're done. You can end. You can stop working. So now I'm going to hit return, and that gives me some errors about I don't know, color spaces or something like that. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't affect the success of this. Um, it's just telling it, telling me that there are things about this, these files that, that isn't what Image Magic expected, which, because these are demo files, I, I expected that. This is actually not holiday personal and work photos. These are actually single pixels saved in a weird format. So anyway, um, now I have, if I do an ls, I have six files in my uh, folder. I've got holiday.png, holiday.png.jpg, personal.png, personal.png.jpg, work.png, work.png.jpg. And obviously the ones called .png.jpg are actually JPEG files. I can confirm that with the command file space holiday.jpg. Rather, holiday.png.jpg. It tells me that it is a JPEG image, and I could do an ls-lh to see the file sizes. It looks like the JPEGs are each predictably half the size of the PNG files, and so, uh, I guess, mission accomplished. It's a little bit clunky that way, um, partly because of the naming scheme with the, the whole png.jpg. That's a little bit ugly, and you'd, I'd probably have to run a command then to clean that, that up, and there are ways around that. But... Um, it, it works. It works well, and if you if you want to do it that way, you can. Um, the the problem with that is that that is actually sequential. Again, it's just you're not doing every command. You're not typing every command yourself. You're letting the computer process. You know, it it, it creates a queue of all the files that it found in the first clause, and then it goes through each file in sequence during the second clause. So if it's a if it's a big job, if it's not just converting photos, instead you're converting gigabyte sized video files or you're converting or you're you're not you're you're compiling something or you're um I don't know, parsing complex text that that requires lots of processing or something. Whatever you're doing, that it it, it adds up, right? Because everything's happening in sequence. And so if you if if you calculate, okay, each file takes about a minute to be processed and you have a hundred files you are now looking at a hundred minutes because it's going to happen one after the other after the other now that's that's better than the eight hour day it would have taken you to do it manually and i think that's probably a conservative estimate to be honest um for a hundred files but but certainly that's that's not as good as it could be well parallel can make 
that happen very quickly. And the way that we could do that with parallel, one, one way we could do it with parallel, and I'm going to go over two different ways here. The, the way I generally do it, because that's the way I'm, I'm used to, I guess, uh, and, and it kind of fits into my workflow usually, because this is, this is very commonly sort of the way that, that my stuff is set up. But I am going to get to a second way, which, which, will, which is just as good and, and a lot more flexible, to be honest. So this is still a rudimentary way. Actually, you know what? I'm going to make it really rudimentary. I'm going to do just an ls asterisk png. I'm going to test that. Yes, okay. So I did that, and I got holiday.png, personal.png, work.png. So it is, it's listing the files that I would expect. So I'm going to go up uh, Control-P to get that command again. ls space asterisk png. I'm going to do the pipe character, and then I'm going to do parallel convert curly brace curly brace space curly brace dot curly brace png i could be doing this wrong and i think that's it i feel like that's it no not png what am i talking about jpeg i want to convert them to jpeg yeah i did that wrong okay um what i'm going to do instead is ls asterisk png pipe parallel convert curly brace curly brace space curly brace dot curly brace dot jpg then i'm going to hit return there we go and now i have in my folder aside from the errant jpeg files that i created accidentally last time um now i have in my folder i've got holiday jpeg personal jpeg work jpeg and the png versions of all those the exciting thing that we're not really aware of is that parallel caused those things to happen exactly at the same time it's Difficult to see it when it's a one-pixel demo file uh, that's literally 258 bytes. But on bigger jobs, it's very noticeable. I mean, let's pretend like those those files that I just processed would have taken a minute each. Well, in serial, that would have been three minutes. In parallel, it's probably more like a minute. Let's imagine they would have taken 30 minutes. Well, now you've just cut that down to 10 minutes. What if it took a day? You know, now it's just your morning. So... It's it's a big deal. It can be a, a huge, huge game changer for you if if you're dealing with either a lot of files or you know some very big files that that sequentially just it would have taken lo uh, lo longer. So the the way that Parallel got its information from me that time around was that I just piped the output of ls asterisk png into Parallel, and that's a, a very common way of doing it. It works well, especially when you have when you have multiple inputs that that are going to go out to an equal number of outputs, sort of a one-to-one -one relationship. But what would happen if um, what what would happen if we had if we had I'm going to get rid of these demo files, I think, and I'll copy my uh, other demo file here, pixel.png. Let's say we've got a file called pixel.png, and instead of needing just to convert it to JPEG, I need this for lots of different delivery, uh, lots of different um, destinations. So I need a JPEG copy for my web team. I need a WebP team for my um, other web team. And I need, uh, no, actually, here, here, JPEG for my digital book content team. I need a WebP for my web team. And then I need the TIFF copy of the file for archival purposes. I don't know why we're going to... From, okay, well, fine. Just just to make my imagined universe a little bit more consistent, I'm going to convert pixel.png to pixel.targa. So now I've got a targa file. That's my archival quality file of my, my single pixel. 
So I want one copy of a JPEG to send out to my, my ebook delivery team. A WebP one for my website team. And a PNG for um, for my print my print team. I mean, they could also use the Targa. But the Targa is my archival copy, and, and I'm not, I don't want to use that for some reason in print. Okay, there we go. Boy, that was tough. Okay, so we have a Targa file, and we want three separate outputs. How could we do that in parallel? Um... There, there are probably ways to do it, but um, the, 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 the best way, the easy way with parallel, is to simply do the command parallel and then convert, and we'll do um, pixel.targa, bracket, bracket, or curly brace, curly brace, sorry. And then we'll do, um, actually, I think I'll do pixel.curly brace, curly brace. And then I'll do colon, colon, colon. So that's three colons in a row. Colon, 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 space, PNG, space, JPG, space, WebP. So, got parallel, uh, space, convert, space, pixel.targa, that's the input, pixel.targa, that doesn't change, that's just one file, always going to be that one file, space, pixel dot curly brace, curly brace. So the curly brace, curly brace, in this instance, in this context, is a placeholder, and it has no input source, right? Like, before we used the curly braces to denote uh, the thing that we had piped into parallel. Remember, I did um, I did the ls asterisk png pipe parallel convert curly brace curly brace and then curly dot curly dot jpeg jpeg. So the curly brace curly brace that was obviously a placeholder for something, and the something was whatever it got from ls asterisk png. Well, in this case, I don't have an input. I just have this sort of parallel convert pixel.targa, pixel.curlybrace, curlybrace. Where's the, what's the input source for that curlybrace, curlybrace? What does it represent? Well, it's it's a placeholder for, for something. And the thing that it is a placeholder for is defined by you, and it is delimited by colon, colon, colon. Three colons in a row. That's just, that's, it doesn't mean anything. There's no special reason for that. There's no significance to the number of colons. It is simply the way that the parallel tool, I mean, as far as I know, if there's some significance, maybe someone will tell me, but as far as I know, is just the way that parallel decided to demarcate the end of the command and the beginning of its big uh, matrix of choices. And the big matrix of choices, in this case, we get to create... Well, in every case, we get to create, but in this case, is PNG space JPEG space WebP, which essentially is an array or a list, if you prefer, of file extensions. And as you might have guessed, those file extensions get substituted in the place where I have two curly braces. And so if I hit return instantly, because these are really small files, um, I have now pixel.pg. JPEG, Pixel PNG, Pixel Targa, Pixel WebP. So Targa was the single source, and then the the destination was Pixel dot first PNG, and then JPEG, and then WebP. Except not, I, I said that sequentially actually. So all of them, PNG, JPEG, WebP, all at the same time, parallel, in parallel, they were done. So the cool thing about this format is that you can kind of get crazy with it. So let's let's say because th this this matrix, this colon 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 thing, this is just the beginning. But you're not just limited to one input source. You can give it all kinds of inputs for for parallel. So, and it's just every 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 three 
colons, every block of three colons, that's a new source. So let's do this. Parallel, space, convert, space, dash, resize, curly brace one, close curly brace. So that's going to refer to the first block of, of input because I put a 1 in, in between the curly braces. And then I'm going to do space pixel.targa. That's my input. I only have one input still. I just want to use this pixel.targa thing. And then this is the uh, this is for the convert command. This is the output. This is what I want to save the fi the converted files to. So I'll manually call it pixel underscore curly brace 1 cl close curly brace. So that's that first array that I'm going to give it again. And then dot curly brace 2 close curly brace. Now, once again, these curly braces are just placeholders. They don't even exist yet. Well, the curly braces do, but the values that are going to get plugged into the curly braces, they don't exist yet. I haven't defined those. I just have to make a mental note that I still need to do that now, now that my command is done. So I'm going to do space, colon, 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 space. So this is the first one. So this is my resize value, which is going to get used in the command to resize the pictures to a certain value. And it's also going to get used again in in the naming of my output because remember I did pixel underscore curly brace one curly brace dot curly brace two dot uh, uh, curly brace. So I'll just do 512, 256, and 128 space colon colon colon. And once again, I want to generate a JPEG. I want to do a PNG and a WebP. So that's two different input sources. I've got one colon block. 512, 256, and 128, and then another colon block, JPEG, PNG, Web, WebP. So those are going to get plugged in according to their number of appearance into my convert command. And so if I actually, I'm going to make sure that I've, I'm going to get rid of all the all of the the files that I don't really want in here, and I'm going to bring in a new copy of this master file here, which is pixel.targa. Okay, so now I'm running the command. It actually took a noticeable that that actually took processing power. Like it 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 hesitated a moment before giving my my prompt back. Okay, so now I've got a bunch of files in my um, directory: pixel underscore 128.jpg, pixel underscore 128.png, pixel underscore 128.webp, pixel 256jpg. 256 PNG, 256 webp, 512 JPEG, 512 PNG, 512 webp. And then finally, uh, pixel.targa, which of course was the original file in the first place. And obviously that would, I would expect that to be there. Okay, so it doesn't stop there. This is not yet the end of Parallels capabilities. I'm going to make my terminal window a little bit larger for this one because I'm going to have a lot of input sources. Okay, so now I'm going to do parallel convert resize curly brace one curly brace. And then I'm going to do pixel dot, no, cur, uh, yeah, pixel, um, actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do pixel asterisk, uh, and then curly brace, two curly brace, and then I'll do uh, pixel underscore curly brace, one curly brace, dot curly brace, three curly brace. Maybe that'll be it. Maybe that'll be everything. So, actually, you know what? I could even do this. Curly brace, uh, Four curly brace. Well, that would be confusing. I'll make that three and that four. Okay, is everything clear? I'm sure everything's very clear from that. Um, so I've got parallel convert, resize, curly brace one, curly brace, pixel asterisk, curly brace two, curly brace, curly brace three, curly brace, underscore, curly brace one, 
curly brace dot curly brace for curly brace. So in other words, I'm giving flexibility to the size that I am resizing to. I'm giving flexibility to the kind of format I am using as an input source. I'm giving flexibility to the name of the destination file, and I am giving flexibility to the format of the destination file. So all I need to know now is what each array needs to contain. So I'll just look at, so colon, colon, colon. The first one is gonna be some numbers of sizes. And for this, I'll just do uh, some wacky sizes like 24 and 32 colon, 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 pixel, everything, two. So these are the input sources. So I know that already. I have I have a JPEG, I have PNG, and I have a WebP. Oh, and I have a Targa. So I've got some extra input sources there. Colon, colon, colon. Okay, so number three is the name of the file. So I'm going to do Clatu and Gort, colon, colon, colon. And then finally, four. Those are the output formats. And... I'm running out of image formats that I have off the top of my head. So let's do, I guess, a GIF. And I feel like, is BPP a file format? Or did I just make that up? Bit, bit, pixel, pixel? I guess we could do something stupid like PDF. Does, does, I think convert does PDF. Um, and then finally I could do a TIFF. Haven't done a TIFF yet. So that's everything. That's, that should be four blocks of information. I got 24 and 32 for my resize. I got JPEG, PNG, WebP, Targa for my input file format. I got Klaatu and Gort for my name. I got one again there, so that'll go back to the one for the 24 or 32. And I got four with GIF, TIFF, and PDF. So as you can imagine, this is going to create a bunch of files. And I'm going to hit return, and I'm getting a lot of output there. And I've got a bunch of files, as, as I predicted ls-1 pipe wc-l 22 files that's actually not quite as many as i thought i guess because um i only did two output sizes but yeah there's a lot of files there with every possible combination of what i did so i've got a gort 24 gif i've got a gort 24 pdf i've got a gort 24 tiff got a clatu 24 gif clatu 24 pdf Clatu underscore 24 tiff. And then I've got Gort32 for all of those, Clatu32 for all of those, and so on. So as you can kind of tell, it will build, Parallel will build a matrix for all of your inputs. And it ensures that every possible combination is, is, is met and processed. And what's more is that it's doing all of that in as much of a parallel fashion as possible. And I, there is a there is a limit. You only have so many CPU cores, so only so many threads are actually possible. So there is a limit to what it can what it can do, but that's the kind of thing that it can do. And that's how you can use parallel without having to, you know, come up with some kind of fancy find command that will Find all of your PNGs and then all of your JPEGs and then pipe them out to a, you know, don't do that. Just use parallel directly. Use the co three colon blocks to delineate your, what I call input sources. I, I guess they're not technically input sources because they're, they're just information, but they're, they're your, your requirements or your uh, specifications. Um, use three colon blocks for that. Number your, your the, the things that need to get swapped out and placed into place and hit return. And it goes. It does it. It's amazing. Really, really powerful tool. There are some great videos from one of the developers on YouTube that you can watch. Uh, some really cool tricks that he demonstrates. So um, I'll try to remember to put a... Oh, I, no, I already linked to that in f uh, episode uh, 12, 15. 
there's a, a link to those videos. So check those out and um, yeah, use Parallel. It's a, it's a really amazing tool. And now in Parallel, let's go get coffee. <laughs> my coffee. This is the house blend of um, the highly esteemed Ben Inn. Ben Inn is a, um, it's one of those grocery stores where you can get, well, it's mostly dry goods. Um, you can get dry goods in containers that you bring, so they're in big bins, and you just scoop all, all of it that you need into some container. So I go there for, like, flour, and, well, I go for there actually for most of what I purchase, but, but you know, you can you can imagine like flour and sugar and and uh, pasta and cereal and all all the all the all the dry goods. And it's a really great place. And I I get my coffee from there as well, like my normal everyday coffee. Um, and and they have like four different bins of coffee. And there's there's Kilimanjaro, there's House Blend, and then the two that I don't think I ever get. I think one might be like just French roast or something like that. And then the other one I think is. It is named for something, but I don't remember what. But um, I go through a lot of coffee, so I get the um, I get the cheaper of the of the four, which uh, is usually House Blend and sometimes Kilimanjaro. And so last week I was drinking Kilimanjaro. That's quite good. This week I'm drinking the House Blend. I mean I've got lots more to go through, but I mean I just was switching it up a little bit. And it's funny because I'm I can't imagine that been in you know it's a House Blend, so like that means that the establishment has blended coffee together to to create a house blend um i just can't imagine that that been in i mean i i don't know for sure but i would be surprised if they were meticulously sampling the the flavors of coffee that they then combine into what they have chosen as their signature house blend in other words i suspect that a quote-unquote house blend is the leftover coffee beans that wouldn't fit in this bin, this bin, and this bin, and put into an, into into a fourth bin called House Blend. So that's what I'm drinking. House Blend, finely crafted by the um, by the coffee connoisseurs over at Bin Inn in Alexandra, New Zealand. Let's talk a little bit about listener email, listener feedback. This one is from Izzy, and Izzy says, I know you've talked multiple times about methods which one can use to transfer data to or from a Linux device to a smaller or more crippled Linux device. Lately, I've been having trouble with snapdrop.net or similar web RTC-based solutions when transferring large files, so I've resorted to using primitive FTPD. I think that's FTP... FTPD? No, surely it's TFP. Surely it is FTPD on FDroid to start an FTP server and using an FTP client on Linux, not Firefox anymore since version 90 for some reason to transfer the files. Yeah, so this is Klaatu. Um, uh, first of all, it's with great disappointment that Firefox does not seem to elegantly handle FTP links anymore. I think there's probably an argument for it. I can imagine there is. I, I'm going to imagine that the developers are, were looking at 
the amount of time and effort required to maintain the code for FTP links in the browser, and they just decided, you know what, it's not worth it. I get it. It is upsetting, though. <laughs> I, I, it does, just because I understand does not mean I wish it was there. But anyway, um, primitive FTPD on FDroid to start an FTP server and then using an FTP client on Linux. That's not a bad idea, though. Um, anyway, he continues to say, The reason this all stood out to me, though, is that on Manjaro, which I was using as a holdover OS while getting some problems sorted out on Slackware Current, this wasn't even a problem. I could plug my phone in, and it would auto-thaumaturgically connect. I bet it wasn't actually thaumaturgically. Uh, connect to my phone's file system every single time. I looked into it a little bit, and it seems like something in system D hooks into UDEV or something similar to allow it to mount the file system with MTP. I'll let you know if I find a way to implement it in Slackware, but I wanted to let you know mostly about the, possi the possible problem with WebRTC solutions, as well as the way I worked around them. Really interesting to hear this, because I have had some weird problems with specifically Snapdrop net as well and i thought it was just something that maybe i was doing wrong like maybe i was i don't know what i really thought i, I kind of just brushed it off to be honest didn't really think about it all that much um yeah i've kind of gone back to um the whatever whatever application it is where it just starts a little local web server on your phone and then you go to that web page in on your computer and and grab the file that you want um there was one that someone had emailed me about, uh, Sherik, S-H-A-R-I-K, Sherik. Um, but there are others. There, there. I guess maybe not a dime a dozen, but maybe, um, maybe a quarter a dozen. They're there. They're around. You can use them. They seem to work okay. It's annoying. Uh, Snapdrop not working was kind of annoying, but not, not hugely. You know, not really a big deal. It is weird though that it, that it stopped sort of working smoothly. I don't know if it's like browser browser version issues or or what the problem is. That's inter interesting to hear that someone else was having an issue with it recently though. That that really is quite quite surprising. Um, but I think in a way it's really surprising to hear from sort of you know another side and to hear that Manjaro, which is Arch based, would have sort of all of this kind of sorted out to the degree that would just auto connect to the phone's file system every single time. I mean, that's that sounds nice to me, honestly. Um, and it does make me realize that I don't think I've ever actually plugged my phone into my CentOS laptop. Like not once, never. Just never occurred to me to to do that. Like not 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 that it would have occurred. Not not that it occurred to me not to do it. It just never it just never came up. Just never sort of. Never really, never thought about that before. Um, I should try that sometime. I really should. I think one of the problems with me for like plugging a phone in is that my my phone cable, like my one USB-C to USB-B or whatever it is, um, that one cable is in my backpack because I never want to be out without that cable. So I keep it in my backpack, which means I never use it at you know inside in my inside my my home. So, in other words, it, it, it ends up me just being completely, you know, dependent upon the wireless capabilities of the phone, which, frankly, isn't all that great. Um, that said, I, I do feel like I had the cable for a while, and it just wasn't really doing anything for me to the degree that I thought, well, this cable is clearly a useful thing to just keep with my phone or something like that. So, 
I don't know. Um, I guess it's something that lately has not come up for me in a while, and so I haven't really even thought about it one way or the other. But it would be interesting to know more about whether this was actually a system D hook combined with UDEV. And if it's UDEV, then, I mean, that should be able to be replicated. I don't, I have no great love for UDEV. I don't hate UDEV, I just don't trust UDEV rules. I mean, I trust them, but they're just really hard to write. It just seems like they never quite do what you expect them to, and you I feel like I've gotten the syntax right, but it just takes so much testing, and then it takes a bunch of reboots because I really don't trust its ability to reload its rules. Um, so yeah, UDEV is a little bit of something that I just don't want to have to deal with on an everyday basis, to be honest. But if if there's some magic that someone has figured out for UDEV, then that would be interesting to hear about. And if it's a system D plus UDEV thing, that would be even more interesting to hear about. Because I mean, I don't think it's real. It's it's that much to ask for a reliable way to connect to your device. I really don't. I also this it occurs to me that 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 it is an interesting point that this system that happens to be running system D is doing this successfully every dot single dot time. That's how he wrote the email. Every dot single dot time. I mean, that's that says something, right? When you can go on record and say, this is working every single time. This is not an issue on this system. That's a huge deal. And if that's happening on, Man- on Manjaro, that should be happening other places. It's impressive that it's happening on Manjaro. I think that's really, really cool. That's That's huge. It's a big deal. That's the kind of thing that you want a distribution to provide for you. If it is something that System D is providing, I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like System D has a big picture design going on where it it really can hook into a lot of components and make those components sort of play nicely with other components. I am impressed by System D every time I use a system with System D on it. I will never understand, I don't think, people's opposition to system d and you can argue about well it shouldn't have a web server built into it and blah 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 doesn't matter who cares doesn't affect me doesn't affect you it's a great piece of infrastructure for the boot process for container management for service management for all kinds of things for device management it's just it's really nice so yes i'm I'm still using slackware and that doesn't have system d and, and may never have system d but that doesn't mean I don't admire System D, and I do use systems with System D on it. So um, don't don't get me wrong. It's I'm not speaking from just vague impressions. I am speaking from experience. But if this phone thing is is true and it is down to System D, then that's just that's another thing that that I'm I'm impressed by System D with. If if that is indeed the case, it may not. It may just be a UDEV thing. Someone put a really clever rule in there and it just works. That works too. That, that's fine. Okay, so. Uh, let's, that, that was listener feedback. Thank you very much, Izzy, for, for that message. And let us talk about Patch Elf now. Patch Elf is a way to patch your Elf binaries, your, the, the, the things that run on a Linux system. You can patch them to reassign the R path, the, um, the path where it looks for its libraries and things like that. You can you can modify that which with with patch elf. It modifies elf files. It's a simple utility for modifying existing elf executables and libraries. It can change the dynamic loader, the elf interpreter, 
of executables and change the R path of executables and libraries. So there are lots of options and actually not as many as I thought, but a couple of screen, two screenfuls. Let's call it two screenfuls. Well, I'm hitting it twice, so three, three screenfuls. Um, two and a half. I won't go any lower. Two and a half screenfuls. Um, so there are a couple of different sort of use cases for this, or not use cases, but I figure there are a couple of things you're going to be doing, really. You're going to be modifying the R path of the of the executable. You're going to be changing the interpreter. You're going to be um, adding or replacing something in the path. And and those options would be, for instance, dash dash set in dash interpreter, uh, dash dash set dash R path, and then dash dash replace dash needed, which would declare a new dependency for a dynamic. Uh, library. Um, or I guess maybe, what's the other one? I think there's another one that's kind of similar to that. No, maybe not. Yeah. Well, I don't have a great use case. I did try. I can't, or I have use cases, but I, I couldn't come up with a great demo. I did try. I, um, I, I, I tried making a little demo application and compiling it against one version of a library and then um, tried to swap out the version of the library with this tool, essentially, so that LDD reported a different library dependency. And that part worked, but then the the demo application didn't work. Okay, well, how about something more basic? Okay, so I tried a different C library. I don't know if that's more basic or not, but um, I thought for some reason it would be because the original one I tried was libpng. Um, and the the C library that I was trying originally was uh, muscle or musl, M-U-S-L, and, uh, and and it didn't it didn't seem to want to work because apparently there's a versioning thing that's different between libc and M- musclec or musclec, so that didn't work out either and so yeah i was just having a hard time coming up with something that would actually you know work the way that you want it to work so um in the end i kind of eventually gave up on trying to come up with a successful demo but that doesn't mean we can't do a demo so here's a hello world application a hello.c application if i do gcc o hello hello.c Obviously, it spits something out. I do LDD on hello. It tells me that its dependencies are uh, really just basically libc.so.6. I think that's really what it needs. So what I could do then is a patch elf command to replace patch elf dash dash replace dash needed. And then I would tell it that libc.so.6 six is actually what i really want it to look at is i don't know um slash lib 64 slash well i guess i could do just do could i just do um libc dot no that is that is the only libc that i've got access to actually i thought maybe that would have been a sim link to something more generic but it it isn't well i could do lib lib pci dot so dot three that clearly will not work but i'm gonna do it anyway oh forgot to specify the the file name hello and now if i do an ld ldd on hello now it realizes that as far as it knows it also needs libz.so.1 libresolve.so.2 libudev.so.1 and so on so um that i mean really that that very much doesn't doesn't work like that this is that's quite silly you would never really do that 
you would not assign you would not replace libc with just a random library but that is that's the syntax of the command it is patch elf and then the thing that you want to do and then the thing that you you know the the, the things you want to modify and and it doesn't necessarily have to be a specific library it can just be a path as well um the weird thing about actually let me look in the package here to make sure i'm not missing anything in terms of what needs to get covered no it's just user bin patch elf the the first time that i believe i came across this i could be i could be wrong but i, I believe i came across this originally when i was doing work with app images a lot more and um, that was before like app image hit like the I guess the 1.0 release or the 2.0 release, something. They, they, they changed their architecture quite a lot at one point. But in the earlier days of app images, the way that you packaged many of your, your applications were that you compiled them, I believe, with an R path pointing back to the, it, to the app image itself. I don't know if that's true or not. And then at some point you had to, I think I recorded an episode about this, so we could you, you could go back and listen. But um, there was a, a script that was written, and you would change the, you, you would actually, yeah, modify the, the, the executable so that instead of looking, you know, to, to the system version of, of something or another, it would look elsewhere. Um, and that kind of led me down this path, as it were, um, to, to things that could modify binaries. And where they, where what they, what they, what they needed, and what they felt like they needed in order to run correctly. It's it's obviously a little bit of a dangerous game that you're playing when you start modifying binaries, because I mean you ha- you you, you kind of have to make sure that the thing that you're reassigning to that binary actually will run that binary. So that is a significant thing that you you do kind of have to bear in mind. But patch elf that that'll do it. And this was developed by the Nixos guys, the Nixos.org, or people. I don't know if they're guys, but Nixos. I meant that generically. Nixos people, Nixos.org. Um, they they came up with Patch Elf, and and presumably they use it in their in that quirky sort of package management style that they have um, that's going on. I, I still need to really give that an earnest go. I've I've done a little bit of playing around with it, but not a whole lot. But you can you can read more about it at uh, nixos.org/patchelf.html. It's a very handy tool, uh, and you get a lot of talk about it from Nixos, from Anaconda, not not the Fedora installer, but the um, the the alternate Python runtime. Um, so yeah, it's it's a thing that people can use to sort of to make things a little bit more possibly self-contained, or or to alter the sort of the default paths where applications go for the things you know the dependencies that they rely upon to run correctly that's patch elf the weird thing about patch elf in terms of slackware is that i can't find patch elf anymore on the through slack package like i don't know if i've um just pointed slack package to a, a weird unexpected place i don't think i have but if i do let's see less on etsy slack pkg mirrors i don't think i should have done that as a less i should have done that as a said dash e single quote s slash caret hash slash um oh i didn't want to do an s i just want to do a slash caret hash slash d and then i'll do etsy slack package mirrors 
yeah, there we go. Uh, so I've got it pointed at ftp.osuosl.org slackware64142. So yeah, it should be able to find it, but I cannot find it. So if I do a slack pkg, maybe I need the update or something. I don't know. I wasn't able to find patch elf when I first looked for it, and then I found it in slack builds instead, slackbuilds.org. So I don't know if it has been moved out of the main branch or what's going on with patch elf in slackware, but I mean, I can I can physically locate it on the web server if I go there, but Slack package was just not returning a search for Patch Elf. That was a bit odd. Okay, that's everything, I think, for this episode. Next up, we've already done Perl. I could actually do another episode on Perl, truth be told. I've been enjoying it so much. It's such a cool little language. It is. There are all kinds of cool features to it. I'm just so glad that I finally, finally... Uh, sat down and started using it because it is it is really really enjoyable if i didn't make it clear in the previous episode it's definitely something to to investigate if you're at all curious if you're at all needing something you know a level up from bash but several steps down from something crazy like c or java or c plus plus or whatever then then take a look at Perl. but uh we've done Perl, so unless i decide to actually do another episode about Perl. Um, I, I want to temper my enthusiasm about Perl. I mean, I, I really, first of all, I'm, I, I recognize that I'm about 10 years behind. Like, like should have, should have gotten this excited about it at least 10 years ago, if not more. So I recognize that, and I also recognize that um, I could go down a very dangerous path just talking about Perl all the time. Um, but who knows? I mean, then again, Perl's really interesting, so maybe that would be something. But anyway, we've got a lot of packages to go through. The next one is package config and pmake, and then poke, and then python pip. Boy, do I have thoughts about some of those. Well, we'll find out which ones in the future. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted until next time thanks for listening and keep the source open
please vector me out of the way.